Welcome to Sports, Clips, and Politics with your hosts, Ben Husson and me, Sean Hannum. Welcome to episode 39 of Sports, Clicks, and Politics. I thank you all for joining us. Uh, Mr. Husung, we thank you for joining us. Pleasure to be here. How was your weekend? It was wonderful. Anything? I got a little break in the freezing cold, uh, blistering snow, a little like 40s. Yeah, I loved every second of it. I went, uh, had a little get-together, a borderline super spreader event, but not quite. We tried to stay outside around a fire, Uh, but no, it it was like a... Every winter, I feel like we do this where we just stop seeing people because it's cold and nobody wants to go outside, which I, I get. But then it was uh, some friends of ours like, listen, let's get together. We've got this place. we got a fire going and everything else. And it was, you forget how much you miss that until you go do it again. And you're like, oh, it's just good for the soul. Yeah. No, I said it is. It, it was cold to the bones here for a few days. And uh, it's good just to be able to, like I said, I got you got outside without a winter jacket on. It was good. Um, Big win. Yeah, so uh, I don't know. L- last week's show was, uh, I thought, pretty good. We touched on this Cuomo stuff. We're going to kind of fill in a little bit more on that. Um, I had some requests from some of the audience to uh, make sure that for the uh, audio version of the of the podcast that we give a rundown of our topics at the beginning of the show. Uh, that seems a smart thing to do. That does seem smart. Because the video people, they can all see it. But sure. The, but the audio that, people cannot. We've been discriminating against the audio-only people. <laughs> it's, di- it's discriminated eh, whatever all right i'm in but anyway so i'm willing to participate in this so uh hit me um we're gonna look, talk a little bit tiger woods today <clears throat> we're gonna bring some sports back to the show uh unfortunate sports but tiger woods uh if you guys know was in an auto accident we're gonna touch on that we're gonna touch on our favorite uh cryptocurrency bitcoin who seems to be all over the place uh every week we talk it's great we're gonna touch a little bit on galane maxwell apparently she uh, may have slipped to a uh reporter uh, hinting that there may be the existence of videotapes of former presidents Bill Clinton and Donald Trump, so I feel like that's interesting to me. Uh, and then we're going to touch on our favorite governor. I guess our favorite governor. I mean, we only have one. He's our favorite and our worst governor, I guess, right? I guess, so, yeah, I mean, currently. So uh, Governor Cuomo continues to crumble. Uh, we're going to touch on all things impeachment, uh, investigation, the stripping of his emergency powers, uh, pretty much all things Cuomo here in New York. So uh, all you audio folks at home... Congratulations, you now have a, a rundown of our, of our show topics, and uh, we'll try to fill you in with some information as we move along here. Uh, a- anything uh, that you wanted to touch on about last show? I know we, some of this stuff was the same. Um, anything more on the COVID herd immunity? Uh, still think we're going to get that in April and all that good stuff? I think we're definitely trending in that direction, and I think that the uh, looking at all of the data, it's becoming clearer and clearer, which is it's seasonal. Of It's a... It's a respiratory virus and like most respiratory viruses it appears to be seasonal in nature because of a plethora of conditions but uh vitamin d decrease and people gathering and not getting outside as much and and smaller intimate gatherings and whatever else so i for all the people out there that uh that are like well we're only going to get past this when everybody gets vaccinated it's if that's your threshold it's never going to happen like at the way the cases are dropping, the case, we're going to be at zero COVID before they even get the vaccination rolled out. Yeah, well, thank God we just paid for th- enough vaccines to get all 330 million Americans vaccinated, even though the most generous poll says about 120 million are willing to get vaccinated. Yeah, better be safe than sorry, I guess, Mr. Husson. Is that, is that safe? I don't know. 
Remember when, like, we used to think you could only spend so much money and you couldn't just print it into existence for whatever you felt like spending? Yeah, we were wrong, apparently. Thank God, because otherwise we might have some economic trouble up ahead. But seriously, like, I keep hearing this of, like, I don't know if we're ever going to get there because people are idiots and they won't just get the vaccine. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm the idiot. Sure. Like I said, I I expect cases to continue to tumble. And uh, like I said, hopefully with that and, you know, just here – Selfishly here in New York with this the, the pressure that's on the governor, hopefully that kind of feeds into his uh, unleashing of some of his powers here. And the sooner they can remove those emergency powers, I think the sooner they're better. But let's let's touch on sports here first. We had a little bit of unfortunate news in the sports uh, world. Uh, uh, some of our favorites and hated most hated golfer, Tiger Woods, was involved in a single car uh, accident, a pretty serious one. It involved uh, him hitting a center medium, uh, Supposedly traveling at a high rate of speed. Uh, we'll find out more as I haven't seen any details in that, but that was kind of the initial reports. Hit a median, crossed over into oncoming traffic, kind of tumbled a couple times, rolled over the car a couple times, hit a couple trees. The car did not look like anybody who was in there probably would have survived, but uh, Tiger Woods did survive and uh, basically came out with serious leg injuries uh, to both legs. So we'll see if that impacts his career. But uh, I don't know. Any thoughts on uh, El Tigre? I. Um- Thrilled that he survived. I mean, it's an awful circumstance to go through. I, from what I understand, he shattered both femurs or, or like maybe one femur and one fibula or something like that. But both legs have not just broken but shattered bones. Uh, it's absolutely going to affect him. The, I, I'm never going to write Tiger off to be like he's never coming back to play competitive golf. But it's not going to be soon. Like this is going to take time to recover from this. That's That's just... Even for an average person to go back to your average everyday life, this would take months to recover. Yeah, and now he's 45 with back injury too, right? right? So he's got a bunch of underlying conditions that might not uh, help uh, with his recovery. It does maybe, I was thinking about this uh, because I don't know if we saw all the the players in uh, uh, basically – in tribute to Tiger Woods, all wore his Sunday best uh, red shirts and black pants and tried to – you know, give pay tribute to to Tiger on Sunday. A lot of the a lot of the players wore that. Even Phil, who was on the Champions Tour, I saw some like some maintenance guy at the Puerto Rico uh, Open. So there's uh, kind of embraced this idea of wearing red on Sunday for Tiger uh, this week. But um, maybe this propels Tiger, or he concedes that he's going to play in the Champions Tour a little bit more uh, sooner than later. I feel like that might be something that he could still kind of maintain his. Uh, I don't know, profile and still play golf and not have to compete with the, uh, you know, Colin Morikawa's and uh, Dustin Johnson's and John Rahm's of the world? I don't know. What do you think? I doubt it. Do you think he was going to do it before this? Do you think he was ever going to play in the Champions Tour? Ever? Yes. Not for 10 years. That's my guess. And I I don't think that changes because I think that's like an acknowledgement that it's over. Yeah. But the guy just won the Masters last year. Like, it's not like we're that far removed from him winning a, a major championship. Um... He's still got plenty of skill, plenty of game. I don't know what the effect of this is going to be because now you're talking about a bad back and two bad legs. Uh, you know, those things are kind of important to a golf swing. I'm not a good golfer, but I can assure you that you need all of those things involved if you're going to swing a golf club well. Yeah, so like that, you know, there's been no mentioning of the back, but, I mean, I can't imagine that you roll over in your SUV a couple times and hit a couple trees, and that doesn't really tweak your back at all. So hopefully not, and hopefully, like I said, hopefully he's a quick recovery and he's back to, to winning majors. That'd be fun. It would be. Maybe this is going to like solve all his back problems. Like he twisted just the right way, and now his back's fine, yeah. but his legs are broken. I mean, like the disorderlies? But you don't know that movie, do you? I don't. You're too young. Sorry. I'm sorry. Um, 
Let's move on to uh, our favorite cryptocurrency, Bitcoin. So yep. roller coaster, as always, for Bitcoin and uh, other uh, cryptocurrencies this week. I think last week we were talking about how it went from 53 to 46, back to 50, and then it all went back all the way down to 43, and here we are floating here. What are we, about 48, 49,000? 49,1. Yeah, so flirting again with 50,000. Yep. Um, you know, you keep hearing people who and this is uh, some, my, partly my fault, I guess, because some people who got into it recently um, who have given me some feedback are all, you know, have had mixed results. Some of them bought at the right time. Some of them bought at the different time where prices have gone up and down. And it's, they're, 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 you know, some of these people who got in recently are, are, are seeing this price action for the first time. And maybe I'm just a grizzled veteran of the the, the, the price moves from 2016 and 2017 and, and 18. So why should it go so high and so low? You're jaded for sure, but but that being said, it's the the moves aren't as volatile as they were then. I mean, there was literally there's been I think three forty plus percent corrections, and obviously that still could happen here. We haven't we haven't reached that, but sure. Each time it seems to get down and it keeps to just bounce right back up and and, and touch, retouch fifty thousand. So, um, I'll keep riding it out here, hodl hodl for life here, and uh, uh, add add where I can uh, by the dip. They say. Um, did you see that uh, a couple corporations, uh, you know, we talked about Tesla, but Square, uh, another Jack Dorsey company, uh, purchased a large amount of Bitcoin when it dipped down to about 44000 I think it was, maybe midweek. Um, MicroStrategy bought some additional Bitcoin for their their, set, their their position. So as these companies start adding Bitcoin to their positions, it's only going to minimize the amount of of dropping of the price that could actually happen because the amount these people aren't like square is not buying Bitcoin to buy it, sell and trade. They're buying it to hold as leverage for their, their, their Bitcoin business. So, um, I don't know, like I said, everybody is uh, very excited about the, uh, the movements of crypto or at least fascinated by them because they are so, so volatile, but they're not as volatile as, uh, as I remember. So I don't know. It's all do about nothing, I guess for me, but what about what's your theory I'm doing? It's doing great. Uh, it's actually not, it's down, but it's coming back up today. Um, I, I think this on, on the cryptocurrencies, I've, I've seen a lot of very smart investment people from Charlie Munger to, uh, David Blurry, Burry, Blurry, the guy from the big short, either know. way, brilliant, brilliant investors, um, that are coming out basically saying like, look guys, this is just as about as speculative as you could be. This is a bubble that's going to burst. It's driven by hype. And I think that's a very real prospect. Uh, yeah, there, there probably is at least some level of this is being driven by hype. And if I was going to be as uh, rational and objective as I could be looking back, historically speaking, is this going to become the acceptable currency around the world? Is the government just going to lay back and let that happen and replace currencies? I'm not without a fight. And if you were going to put a, put a bet on that, you obviously would probably put it on the government's butt. I think we're in a very different situation right now, and I and I think that from a global standpoint, I do anticipate more governments trying to put up a fight, and by that I simply mean creating their own digital currencies and trying to get rid of Bitcoin. You can hear them already starting to bemoan and belittle it, but I return to what is money? It is a generally accepted medium of exchange. So if you and I both agree that Bitcoin can be exchanged and we're willing to do it, then it's a medium of exchange. And only it doesn't takes, matter. Only takes two to uh, to to transact. Right. That's it. And so I think there's enough um, ground support, grassroots support of specifically Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies as well that it's 
I can't rule it out because I, I do think that there is this growing body of discontent and this growing number of people that are just done with the system. Like, look, the Bernie Sanders guys, the the Trump supporters and everything else, like these are people that are not so much, it's not the candidate. It's not like they love the guy. It's that there are serious problems with our system and people are starting to catch on and they're angry and you're watching it happen in real time. Unlike anything we've ever seen before of, we watched our, you know, elected and unelected leaders take us down a bad path leading up to 2008. Then it inevitably crashed as it had to. And then instead of like having that be the moment to be like, hey, maybe we should stop this. They double down. They bail out all these trillionaire and billionaire banks. And basically everybody else was kind of like, eh, good luck. Yeah, like I said that's that that was the uh, the event that birthed Bitcoin in general. So I kind of like uh, I'm going to paraphrase Dylan Radigan a little bit, where he basically said Bitcoin is the inverse uh, confidence level in our government, right? So as Bitcoin goes up, the confidence in the government is going down, and vice versa. Agreed. So here we are. The Bitcoin is is. So I do think there is long term um, utility in it. I I actually do think that that's that is something. Do I anticipate more swings? Yes, because I think that. The government has no desire to allow a cryptocurrency that is not regulated or created by it to become a widely accepted medium of exchange. So I do think you'll see more articles and more proclamations by politicians about the dangers of it and how it's used in child sex trafficking and drugs. And it's funny how all of a sudden the the government's going to care about child sex trafficking and drugs when it affects their currency, but not when it was, you know, picking drug cartels to be the ones or giving them guns or canceling an executive order that allowed us to deport sexual predators. Selective morality. Yeah. Like it's crazy of, of all of a sudden when it has to do with currency, five bucks says, they're going to care, and they're going to be like, uh, you, if you use Bitcoin, you're basically supporting the terrorists. How yeah. long until we hear that? Uh, listen, I've been hearing it since I started buying it in 2016. It so, um, All right, let's move on to other nefarious uh, people in the world, whatever that means. Uh, Ghislaine Maxwell. I would go with nefarious for her. Uh, she is still locked up in uh, some New York jail someplace. Uh, Did uh, she make it to Gen Pop? Not yet. Okay. Um, not to her chagrin. The, uh, so apparently, former 60 Minutes reporter Ira Rosen has, is coming out with a book. I don't think it's out yet, but I think it's coming out soon. Uh, and in that book, he details a conversation he had with Ghislaine Maxwell. And basically, he says that he tricked her into admitting that there are videotapes of former presidents Bill Clinton and Donald Trump through Epstein. She doesn't say that there's anything uh, explicit on those videotapes, just that there are videotapes. Uh, again, this was kind of more of a, a back in 2016 when this came to light and the, uh, the, the reporter who was trying to get the tapes, uh, from, from Ghislaine Maxwell, uh, she basically thwarted his attempts, basically saying that if I know if you're going to, you know, if you show Trump's tapes that you're going to have to throw Clinton's tapes and she didn't want that to take down what she thought was, uh, uh, inevitable Clinton win in 2016 and therefore she didn't want to rock the boat. So. I'm not dismissing that there's any videotapes by any means, because I think we all know that there's videotapes uh, just from some of the uh, news reporting from the raids on on his properties that they they seized some tapes. Who knows what's on those tapes? We assume that those tapes are been or have been used in blackmail. So do we think these things ever come to light? Torn, because I want the answer to be yes so badly. 
I do. I, I got obviously I don't want to watch the tapes. Right. I just want these people to get found out for the horrific human beings that they are. And that, that they would do this and this is like a normal part of their everyday life is is so sad. Of like Jeffrey Epstein getting caught and every house, every property, every plane, every boat he owned has wall to wall security cameras. It's not an accident. Well, he saw everything. Right. Like whatever you did on that boat is on video. Whatever you did in that house is on video. It it just is. So the fact that it isn't coming out, I find to be equally as troubling. And I like going back and how this all ties together of you had a guy that literally was running the largest international pedophilia sex ring that you could possibly conceive of. And we haven't seen like we've gotten three names. This guy was at it for 25 years, and you're telling me there was only three people of note on that list? Shut up. Yeah. There's no chance that's true. So it's like, who else is in here? And you look at his ties to Bill Gates, Bill Clinton, Donald Trump, uh, Alan Dershowitz, like all Les of these Wexner, people. Les Wexner, Leon Black, the list is endless. Oh, my. And it's got to be so many more. Prince Albert, like, there's got to be so many more. Prince Andrew, did you just, just, did you just implicate the wrong prince? <laughs> My bad, Prince Andrew. <laughs> Prince Albert, we apologize. Sorry about that, Al. Um, but anyway, so looking at all of this and you're going, all right, wait a minute. This guy then goes into prison. He gets arrested, goes to goes in a jail, and goes on suicide watch. And then two security guards fall asleep and two different security cameras simultaneously go out. And he manages to hang himself with a sheet. Paper from, sheet. With a paper sheet from a bed. And we're all just supposed to go, sure. Yeah, that checks out. Yeah. Like, come on. The story is the craziest story of all time. And right? nobody's talking about I it. I know. Well, other than here, I wish we right. could get some. I know. Like, think I about. I mean, there's, there's very few people who are actually consistently touching base in on this story. Right. Think about, like, the implications of what's at stake here. This man, and we've covered this kind of at length of his wealth came out of nowhere. Nowhere. Right. And now you're telling me he's worth $500 million. I'm going to call BS because there's no way you don't have that size house in Manhattan, your own private island, your own ranch in Texas, two private jets. That is not enough money to fund that lifestyle. And there is still not one transaction with Jeffrey Epstein's name on it in any of these FEC filings. It's amazing. They just they just don't exist. Like Eric Weinstein bring this up uh, sometimes on his show. He's like, where are the trades? He's like, their name should be someplace. Like there's nothing. Yeah, he's supposed to be an investment right. guy. He's nothing. There's there's literally no traces of him existing in that world. He's an investment guy who never placed one trade. That's yeah. a brilliant investor right there. So back to your original question: yeah. Are we ever going to get it? I I think that we might actually because there are so many people on the other side of this now that want this to come out that are that are pushing for it, and you know we lament the fact that we no longer have a credible free or fair press. But my God, how handy would that be right now? For somebody like uh, Ira Rosen, is that his name? Ira Rosen, that's correct. Ira Rosen, like, listen, I love that you asked, but let's be real. You only did it because you don't like Donald Trump. You have no desire in going and taking out these other people. And that's like, that's what I find maddening about the whole situation is like, okay, good. I, you, I get you're on a side. Cool. I don't care who you're cheering for. If your chosen elected official or party has people in it that are actively engaged in pedophilia, I wouldn't want to only know the other guys. I think I'd want to know both sides on that one. To be like, um, no, I think we can get rid of all of them. I, I don't care if you happen to I line up political, ideologically speaking, with me. Uh, you're horrific, and I want you in prison forever. Yeah, and that's, you know, 
it seems as though you know, I don't know. I, it's, I, I, I don't want to say I'm giving up, but it's, it, it, this should have been a story long before, you know, we shouldn't still be covering this. It should be, 20, the, the news should be out there. 25 years this guy Crazy. was at it. Got arrested for soliciting multiple underage girls. Went to jail, kind of. Was found, took a plea deal. Went to jail on weekends and everything else. And you want to know what the guy, the effect on the guy's social circle was? Zero. Yeah. Zero. Listen, I don't care if you're my best friend in the world. If you end up pleading guilty to actually seducing and getting getting after 115-year-old girls, we're not friends anymore. No. Because that's like, hey, you didn't just make a mistake. You are a predator, and I have no interest in being around you. But instead it was, oh, you want to come to Harvard and MIT? You want Bill Gates to come out to the house? You want Alan Dershowitz to fly out? You want to have Bill Clinton out on the jet? Cool. Parties at the press in New York. Like, it's, right. it's crazy. And this guy, like, you know who he is now. And like, oh, it was a mistake in judgment. Like, and actually, we talked about this for, for months and weeks. It's, it's just a question of how well insulated he is, right? And we don't know because we don't know who he's got stuff on. So Everybody. Um, I, I, I assume he's well insulated. Um, all right, so let's <clears throat> let's turn our attention. Well, before we do that, because I forgot to tell everybody to like, share, subscribe, and hit the notification bell. Come Why on, don't you man. all do that? Take this time. We need the likes. We need the subscribers. We need the shares to kind of get the message out and grow the channel. So please do that. Um, and if you hit that notification bell, you'll be notified when we publish new content, and uh, you can uh, view it uh, as fresh as possible. So now let's turn to the governor. Our governor. Speaking of people that have dirt on everybody, Governor Cuomo. Um, uh, you know, we we could start anywhere, but obviously, I feel like this is the beginning of the end. I feel like this is. I think we've passed the point where I'm like, okay, he's going to survive this. Whereas I don't. He's not running again next. He's not. If he runs, he's not winning. He's not the governor next term. I don't think so. I don't I, think so either. I, I think I we both. Think I think we're past that. It would take some gigantic mea culpa and some catastrophic event that he would have to rally the, the state around to kind of oh, get, get around it. I'm just saying. Existence. So it, it would it would require some something that I can't I, I can't foresee. So now it's a question of I, I do believe that the the people who were being bullied this whole time for the last whatever uh three terms of his feel a little bit emboldened, if not a lot emboldened. And feel like now is the time to uh, step out of his shadow and kind of, you know, t- take take the whack at the pinata, if you will. And uh, people are taking whacks. Uh, we have not only do we have the whole nursing home investigation that kind of, um, you know, is the underlying uh, a story along with this. He's now have at least two sexual harassment uh, claims against him by two former aides. And there's calls like that. That the, the state party seems to have uh, 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 taken a stand against him, uh, all the way up to the attorney general. Um, I don't know. I think I think this is the end. I mean, it should be. Like, if we were in a rational and just society, this wouldn't even be a discussion point right now. And the sexual harassment stuff. I don't want to minimalize it. Minimize it. Minimize it. I don't want to. Right? Like, if this is what he's doing and these claims are accurate, then, yeah, you're a pig. Like, here's the thing. If you just came out on that front and said, listen, I'm an old I'm an old school guy. It was very inappropriate. I won't do it again. I've learned from my mistakes. It was wrong. I didn't realize it. I would kind of be inclined to say, all right, fine. You want another shot? I, I'm not here to, like, cast any stones. 
if you can ask for forgiveness, if you can acknowledge that you were wrong and just get on with your day, I'm inclined to say you get another shot. Unless you do it again and then, okay, now we've got a pattern. The nursing home thing to me is is such a far bigger deal. And the fact that only like 60% of people in New York State think Andrew Cuomo did something wrong with nursing homes. 60. Who are these other 40? Like what would be? Well, so I think I saw the same poll. It was... There was a com- some of them did something illegal and some of them did something handled it wrong. So if you combine the two, it got to a higher percentage. It, it was sixty percent said he did anything wrong, ten percent were unsure, and thirty percent said he did nothing wrong. Okay, illegal. Now it was it was a higher number. Only like I think it was thirty five or forty percent think he did something illegal, or or I think it was thirty. Only thirty percent think he did something illegal. Okay, fine. You could debate the legality because that's always a tricky area because you have to meet specific requirements to violate a law. Being a jerk is not enough. Being an irresponsible, negligence even, does not necessarily rise to the point of illegality. It just it doesn't. But March 25th, he signs an executive order saying nursing homes have to accept or re-accept COVID-19 positive patients. That effect, that order was in effect for six weeks. It was not rescinded until mid-May. New York State didn't even count nursing home deaths until mid-April as a separate category. Then when they started counting nursing home deaths because people started asking, hey, this order is in effect. Other states have gotten rid of theirs. Why is yours still the law of the land? And he said, well, I'm following the the CDC recommendations and the um, Department of Medicare and Medicaid services. And they went, no, you're not. That's not what the rule was for them at all. So he kept shifting and bullying and calling them political attacks and anybody that was coming after him for this was a political attack okay so that went on for a few months then the department of health investigated the order and they came to the conclusion that it had no impact all the nursing home spread was driven by people working at the nursing homes and by family through mostly asymptomatic spread which we now know is nonsense so that didn't hold up at all and he said If you even look at the numbers, this was in the Department of Health report. If you look at the numbers, New York is 36th in nursing home deaths. So you want to know what we did wrong. Well, why don't you go ask those 35 other states and what they did wrong? The whole time knowing they counted them differently. They knew full well nursing home death in any state other than New York is you got it in a nursing home and then died anywhere you count as a nursing home death because you were a nursing home resident. New York State went, well, if they go to the hospital then they don't count as a nursing home death. They're a hospital death then. Yeah, and so this takes us to what seems like a year ago now, but to the call for impeachment from Assemblyman Ron Kim. So you guys remember Ron Kim? He's the Assemblyman who has been trying to draw attention to the nursing home problem since April. Uh, he has, I think, an uncle who died in a nursing home and yep. has kind of been uh, uh, you know, trying to get out in front of this uh, for a while now. Uh, he has caught the ire of the governor. Uh, he went on CNN, basically told him how he was berated and uh, trying to get him to lie to uh, kind of recreate a timeline for the governor. Uh, and now Ron Kim has called for his impeachment. And I, what I find interesting, we, we covered this a little bit uh, on our show last week when we talked about the uh, Greater New York Hospital Association. I saw an interview with uh, Assemblyman Kim, and he basically says, so, you know, so okay, well, what's the what's the problem with just hiding the death numbers, right? I mean, they're just they're just numbers. They're they're not they're not the the the, the, the total number wasn't hidden. It was just where they died. And Ron Kim's answer, I thought, was interesting because he basically said, "Follow the money," and so he he 
insinuated that the legal liability given to the Greater New York Hospital Association and their firms was the reason. So that there was this pressure to change that illegal immunity at the at the through the legislature, the New York legislature, and that Cuomo. This is Kim's. Uh, uh, insinuation is that Cuomo misled the assembly and the legislators so that they would not be able to remove that legal immunity from the greater New York hospital associations and their, their, their cohorts. So he, he thinks that the, there, that there was a reason why they were hiding the numbers. And that was to basically uh, remove any resistance that was this legal immunity. And so they, Hey, there wasn't anything going on at these nursing homes. And so they're really nothing. We shouldn't, we should, you know, not really worry about this legal immunity problem. And I don't know if that's true or not, but it makes it more than just a, hey, uh, who cares where they died? They just died. And it's more than just a total number of deaths. If he was, in fact, trying to hide the number of deaths to maintain some legal immunity for his friends and uh, uh, campaign contributors, then he needs to go to jail. Agreed. I'm not. I am of the opinion that there's never just one reason for any decision. It's always a lot of different factors that contribute into whatever you decide to do or not to do. So I think it's overly simplistic to say it was because of X or Y or Z. I think there's a multitude of factors. I think one of the reasons was because they realized they were wrong for not tracking the numbers earlier or what the impacts would be. Then they realized that it was going to make them look very bad if they acknowledged that there was that many people who died in nursing homes. So he's America's governor, he's on the TV every day, and I think it's some of it is just ego of not wanting to open up about that mistake. And then it got referred to the Department of Justice for an investigation, as it should have, because this was crazy. And then they said, I mean, uh, his aide came out and just said, yeah, we froze, we didn't want to give them ammunition. Like, oh, you didn't want to give the prosecutorial body the evidence it needed to run an investigation? That, that was your reasoning, and you thought that was a good thing to say out loud? It's, it's bold. But... Either way, it's it was almost like the cover-up was worse than the crime because it, people knew this in August. Uh, that was when um, the Empire Institute filed for the Freedom of Information request to say, wait, let's get the real numbers on nursing homes. You want to know why it matters? Because we use this, these decisions or these data points to make public policy. And if you guys can remember, back a year ago, the point, the talking point in March, April, and May was it's not just the old people. It hits everybody. Nobody is safe from this. It can take out a 30-year-old, a 40-year-old. And so then in reality, and keep in mind at this point, New York State was responsible, New York State and New Jersey together at this point in time are responsible for over half of all the deaths in the country at this point last year. And they're trying to say, like, out of this, out of these 25,000 deaths that we had had in New York at that point, only 6,000 were nursing homes. Well, in reality, the number was 50, it was at that point probably about 13. So, again, half of the deaths are coming from a population that makes up less than 1% of the overall picture. And instead of just saying, like, hey, we should probably make limited public policy decisions to prevent the people most vulnerable, we shut down the entire state. Like, we shut down everything, and the, the rationale was, well, it was asymptomatic spread. Well, no, there wasn't, as it turns out, and even Dr. Fauci at that point in time was saying it would be the first time any pandemic has ever been driven by asymptomatic spread. But, okay, yeah, I guess we didn't know, but maybe we could have played the odds and not gone with the dumbest possible interpretation of the rules and, and the statistics as they were. 
Same thing of, well, it hits everybody. See, this, this perfectly healthy 24-year-old passed away. All right, well, I'm sorry, but obesity is an illness, and that's not perfectly healthy. And number two, there was other factors that probably should have been looked into that were not. So now you're telling me all these other people are at risk. No, they, they really, yes, yeah, some, but it was such a lower percentage, and we knew it even then, but the data coming out of New York was conflicting because we were actively covering up real data. It made no sense to do what we did because ultimately the data doesn't lie. And if you are under the age of 55, statistically speaking, short of a serious medical condition, COVID is of almost no mortality risk to you whatsoever. I know there are exceptions. I know people did die. Understand I'm talking about statistics here and statistically significant. Yes, there are bolts of lightning. Okay, there are things that happen that just, and it's awful. But, when you're planning as if a 30-year-old and an 80-year-old have the exact same risk of COVID, of getting it, spreading it, dying from it, going to a hospital, that is not supported by any of the data and was not supported by the data even a year ago. But people kept coming up with, well, we really don't know. Well, we really don't know. I get it, but nothing is certain. So why not play the odds? Why not act as if this is not going to be the exception to every general principle of a influenza-like illness that we have ever seen in the history of humanity? Why are we acting as if this one's probably going to be different? Why did we go with the most draconian and harm-causing solution known to man right out of the gate? Like We put everybody on lockdown, and we killed people. Like we, we actively did. These policies are directly responsible for loss of lives, of suicides, overdoses, preventable deaths, deaths of despair, child abuse, domestic violence. Like we did so much harm. And now we also, as a result, not of COVID, as a result of our response to COVID, we are now about to pass another $2 trillion in relief, bringing the total up just COVID related to $8 trillion of government spending in a year. Not because of COVID, because of our response to COVID. I know economics is hard to understand. I know it's a boring subject. But do you really think that we can just print and spend $8 trillion and there will never be a real-world effect of that, that it will only ever be limited to money? Buy Bitcoin. This is nuts. Like, we have done so much harm, and we're going to do so much more harm because what we're doing is we're extending, we're increasing the money supply so much. And, yes, I know that doesn't automatically lead to hyperinflation any more than, you know, putting a lot of fire, uh, excuse me, putting a lot of, like, loose paper, kindling, and logs in a circle and then covering it in gasoline and saying, well, it's not going to cause a fire. Uh, Sure, but at some point, if something goes wrong, you're going to wish you hadn't done this. And that's the fear is for... I've made this point on the show before. I'll make it again. For every 1% increase in unemployment in the United States, 37,000 people will die. That's what the statistics bear out. Again, it's a lot harder to explain that to somebody than my grandma died or my aunt died or my nephew died of COVID, but it's still real numbers. So, yes, statistically speaking, it's a much larger threat for killing Americans, for killing people, than COVID was for the younger people. So if you're worried about one, please understand, ignoring the other one doesn't make it less true. It's a comparative risk. And we got it wrong. And we got it wrong because we were relying on bad data and we were relying on these egomaniac politicians and bureaucrats that are like, I'm here to save it. And the only way to do that is we're going to shut down everything, everything to make sure that we don't die of COVID. And then what happened? It spread anyway. We didn't even stop COVID. What was the point? Yeah, not, not much a point. And I think that's uh, now we're, we're, 
I think the the state legislature is starting to see that the, at least you know probably a couple things are playing into this, but they're they're ramped up the efforts to uh, strip uh, Cuomo of his uh, COVID emergency powers. Um, even the mayor of, of New York City, Bill De Blasio, has come out and said uh, it's uh, important to uh, you know immediate uh, a stripping of his powers. I believe he wants. So I love how much they despise each other. Yeah, by the way. I mean it's fun, but I it mean is. it's you know I don't know how productive uh, they all are, but it's. Good entertainment, I guess. So, but anyway, he's called for the uh, removal of the uh, pandemic emergency powers. Uh, I think that would give. I think the original thing would would at least give the localities, the municipalities, back their emergency powers rights. So, uh, Cuomo not only did he pass the emergency powers, he also passed this additional emergency power that basically said, "Yeah, all you uh, county executives out there, your emergency powers are you have to go through me anyway." So, um, I think the first thought was to remove that and give some localities back, um, which I think would help with the vaccine rollout. I think that would give of them course. the the uh, flexibility to kind of do their thing uh, that they've been doing for, for decades here, so especially in this county. Um, but I don't know. It's uh, I think that seems like a no-brainer at this point. I don't know why it's taken so long. Well, man, I know why it's taken so long, because it's politics. But, I mean, it seems as though the momentum has shifted. Is, 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 is there. So I, I, I assume this is going to happen. Um, I, I don't know how it unfolds from there. Like, you know, there's been talk about the legislature adding some kind of layer. Um, so if they remove the locality, uh, uh, emergency powers, um, restrictions that they can then, uh, sign off on any of the governor's executive orders through legislative like approval. Um, they, they should just take back their jobs and do what, what they were elected to do and remove him of powers and actually again, represent the people. So it's a crazy idea. You I want know. the legislature to legislate? I know. I mean, radical I'm, thinking. I, I'm just trying to find some stability here, Mr. Hughes. Radical, radical thinking that the and legislature so, might create the laws. That's, that's bonkers. Again, again, and, the, and then all of this. So we talk about the nursing homes and the cover up and the limited liability and all the, the, the terrible messaging and the, 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 the hiding of the data. And then on top of all that, we get back to back, sexual harassment allegations from two uh, former aides of his. Uh, one had made um, these accusations not as detailed a few months ago, maybe a, maybe a few weeks ago, I guess, maybe a couple months ago. Oh, anyway, something. Months. Um, but she made these accusations that they were there. They didn't really, <clears throat> excuse me, they didn't really gain too much traction then. Um, but she came out with more detail, <clears throat> basically saying that he forced a kiss on her, an unwanted kiss, uh, and unwanted touching and uh, made a strip poker joke on a uh, plane with this one. Um, there was another uh, sexual harassment charge from another aide. Uh, but this has led to calls for an investigation. Uh, the calls for an independent investigation were met with Cuomo by basically appointing his own investigator. Smart. It's <laughs> very smart. That didn't go over well with uh, most people, shockingly. And Weird. then so... So he decided, okay, well, we'll give the attorney general the uh, the power, and she can work with our uh, this uh, state supreme court judge that I appointed. And uh, she, they, to her credit, attorney general James basically said, "No thanks, I don't need the, the handheld from the uh, state judge. I could do my own thing. Give me a referral for a complete independent investigation with subpoena power." And he granted it to her. So <clears throat> I assume we're going to get a pretty thorough investigation here. Um, excited is not the right word, but like, I'm totally interested and see what kind of, uh, uh, where the investigation would go. I guess the analogy, first off, I love that you called it. He made a strip poker joke. Like I was just joking unless you were going to say yes. Right. Like just throwing it out there. But he said it was 
he 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 admitted in his apology. Uh, if you guys haven't read, I didn't uh, bring up that, but he did make an apology, at least a le- first legitimate, I think, attempt to make an apology anyway. Um, and he basically said that admitted that he was, you know, I, my comments were taken as flirtation. So it's not like he was unaware of what was going on. Yeah, and listen, I guess this is always the what's the right way of saying this this is sort of the gray area of this field for me is i think that there is some of it is meant to be flirtatious and lighthearted, and then some of it does cross a line and it's not always clear to say like okay the line is exactly here but if you're a 63 year old all-powerful governor over a state and you're interacting with a 25 year old aide who works for you and her is probably her first real big job in politics or second like early in her career Maybe you want to play a little more cautious than that. Maybe acknowledge the power dynamic at least somewhat. I'm, I'm not telling you that you've got to be like, uh, you don't got to go full Mike Pence of like no meetings without my wife present. But maybe wait on the strip poker jokes until, I don't know, never. But either way, um, I guess this is the analogy I will draw for uh, my feelings on this sexual harassment thing. There are so many worse things that Andrew Cuomo should be going down for. That like the nursing home stuff and the cover up that ensued is so much worse. But Al Capone went to prison for tax evasion, not for the countless murders, but he still went to prison. So if this is what gets him out, if this is what strips the powers and gets us back to some semblance of normalcy, I'm in. I, like if I, I don't care what the means is at this point. If this is what people care more about than the uh, the one study said a thousand nursing home residents who would not have died but for the order. So if the sexual harassment somehow matters more than the thousand of dead people, okay, whatever gets it done at this point. Because this is a travesty, what we have witnessed. The fact that there are still people out here actively and fervently defending this man is the height of insanity to me. It's the height of insanity. And it's just the partisan nature of politics that we have today. And listen, it's the same on the Trump side and the, the Cuomo side, the Biden side, McConnell, whomever. Pick your politician. The blind fealty that people have to these idiots. That's not the right word. They're not dumb people. They're very smart people. I can't say the word I want to say, so I'm just going to go with these jerks. Is crazy to me. Haven't you seen this in the last week where people are talking about if you think politicians care about you, then you also think the strippers care about you? (laughs) Just like the bartender really thinks you're funny? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's it's about it, too, of they don't care. Not even a little. And even if they did, it's so low on the priority list that it's it's hard to fathom of, I hope that his powers are removed. It's it's inarguable at this point that he should still have them. I'm sorry, but there, there's no possible justification for that. If this guy stays out of prison, I would call that, a, I don't want to, listen, that's like a, more up in the air. I would have to look into the relevant statutes more as far as um, filing a false report of the Department of Health, literally there were so many falsehoods in that investigative report that it was hard to fathom. And it was just so brazen how little they cared of the prospect that they might get found out. I guess that's what I find troubling about all of this is they just know that they're not going to get caught. They know that nobody's going to call them on it, so they just do whatever they want and say whatever they want. And we don't have a good media anymore that's going to do this. I mean, when this order was in effect, Andrew Cuomo went on his brother's primetime show on a news network organization that does no opinion pieces, only news, and he got interviewed by his brother every day for like a week while this order was in effect. And now one point that our esteemed media organization look at them and go, hey, so this nursing home order, are you sure this is the right idea? 
Have you looked at any impact? Now you're too busy making big nose jokes with a Q-tip. Thank God. Thank God we got that covered. R- riveting. Yeah, it's, it's weird. There's no Cuomosexuals anymore. Cuomosexual harassment. I love that title, by yeah. the way. That was very well done. <laughs> and uh, it's, I'm wondering how, and I guess this is my question for you on the same topic. How much of this do you think is because of the split going on within the Democrat Party right now between the Democratic Socialist wing, far more progressive wing, and the old school conservative Democrats that have that have run the state for so long? Yeah, so, I mean, there's always this power struggle of, and I'm, I'm going to make up my own uh, labels, and I'm going to call it the establishment because I the, the establishment Democrats, it. and there's some establishment Republicans in there too. Um, obviously, in New York, we have a far higher proportion of establishment Democrats just because that's where we are. So, sure. um, I think that plays a role. I think there is a split. Um, back to what I was saying earlier, I feel like the progressive part has been beaten down by this governor. Every time they try to stand up to the dude, he he tries to knock him over. So, I feel like they think he's teetering um and is probably the weakest he's ever been in his whole political career and if they're ever going to take a shot this is the shot they need to take so i expect them to have a strong contending candidate in the 2022 primary uh for governor if he decides to run andrew yang no he's probably gonna be the mayor so i don't know if he'll i don't know if he'll actually bill de blasio for governor no i (laughs) we're just wrong way Ben. we're going the wrong way down the spiral um you go Donald Trump for governor. Yeah. Are you guys going to keep adding? Don Jr. There we go. They're, all, they're all available. Oh my so, god! Um, I don't know. What's, I don't know what's going to happen here, but I expect a a new governor in 2022. And um, like I said, I, I I have long said that I thought the only people who could take out the governor were the New York State Democrats. I still stand by that, and I think they're trying. I think they're 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 to, they're to the point where even the the the, the the cronies who are, are hanging on, they, they see the light is not at the end of the tunnel anymore uh, for the governor, and I think they're going to jump off as quickly as possible here. So two things on that. One, careful of a drowning man. It's a dangerous prospect. And number two, if you shoot at the king, you best not miss. No. If you're going to take your shot. Listen, I, I mean. Don't be wrong on this one. I talked to Ryan Kim about that because he's basically taking straight aim at the governor for multiple levels, and we'll see, you know, he was a nobody Two weeks ago, nobody even knew yeah. his name, and now he's uh, a darling in the media here a little bit. But um, he he's taking a stand, and I you know I I commend Respect. him for it because the, you know there's Listen, a, I, there is no more powerful person in New York than Governor Cuomo. So Ron Kim is like a progressive Democrat socialist, new new progressive party. Like ideologically speaking, I doubt Mr. Kim and I would agree on very many solutions. I think we would actually agree on the problems. I think we would just disagree on most Probably. of the solutions. Um. My hat's off to the man. Uh, truly, like, it's easy to say it now. But listen, imagine you're the one getting this phone call. You're this no-name state assemblyman from Queens, and Andrew Cuomo calls you and threatens to destroy you. You going to stand up? We all yeah. like to think we would. Every one of us likes to be like, oh, yeah, I, without a second thought. But think about your family. Think about your kids. Think about, like, you've worked so hard for all that you've gotten. And technically speaking, this guy's on your side. Yeah. And now you're getting coerced and threatened by what is not a small amount of power for a governor no like i said he's one of the most powerful politicians in the world so especially in the country i mean he's you know a, a handful are, are, are more powerful than him in in our country anyway so um i don't know how it's going to end but i am fascinated i'm sure that'll give us uh 
weeks and weeks of content coming uh, all the way through 2022. What do you think? I think so. Too. I mean, I'm curious to see. I, I think everybody's been very focused on Trump splitting the Republican Party and that it was going to happen. He spoke yesterday and said, I'm not forming a new party. That's not what we're going to do. I look at the left and I think you guys are in danger of splitting because you're you're really coming apart on some very central issues that if you don't fi- I think both parties are at risk of, of splitting. Let me be clear. But that split, like the, the progressives, the Democratic socialists have really gained more more ground than I thought they would have in a very short amount of time. And they are. Like I said, I actually agree with most of their stances on what is wrong, and I I agree with it. I just think that, excuse me, as their numbers continue to grow, it's going to be hard. I envision like the Democrats that I know well that are older, that have been Democrats forever, aligning with some of the more prominent figures of the Democratic Socialists, of the Bernie Sanders, the AOCs, and all this, this crew. Ideologically speaking, they have almost nothing in common. Uh, not nothing except that Republicans are bad, which I also agree with. Like that's that's a true statement. How long can that go on? Yeah, I mean, I feel like I've been watching this split happening almost in slow motion a little bit for a while, and I keep thinking that eventually there's going to be a tipping point. And you know, obviously, as somebody who uh, functions inside the Libertarian Party, have been waiting for one of these two parties to collapse and for us to catch all these falling pieces as they're coming. Uh, you know, as that as that party breaks apart. If they both break apart, we could catch pieces from both parties because I think there's some overlap there. Agreed. But I don't know. I don't. I don't know if the Libertarian Party or another third party or somebody taking over one of these two main parties is the right answer, or what is the I don't know, answer is the right thing. Uh, uh, if one of those entities can be used to, you know, reinvigorate the country as opposed to polarize the country, which is seemingly what all political parties do. Um, I don't know. Like I said, it's it's. We're in a bad spot, and like I said, I think most of the people who are holding on to hopes that, you know, the establishment New York Democrats are holding on are 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 probably, you know, have done stuff, maybe not quite as Cuomo-ish, but, you know, they've been in politics for, for decades, and they've seen some stuff and probably done some stuff that they're probably not proud of. Um, and Andrew Cuomo probably knows about it. And he definitely knows about and it. And has right? evidence right. of it. Right. I. I guess here's my thing. I, I, I'm wary of political parties at this point because I'm seeing how bad they get, and people will absolutely just turn their brain off to anything bad about theirs and anything good about the other side. And I do think a sports analogy is apt here because you're cheering for your team, and you can make pay lip service to the idea of, like, well, it's really for America overall, but it's because I think that this party's better. But eventually you just start cheering for your team. It's it's basic human psychology is if you're not aware of it, you're going to do it more and more. And we've lost the ability for like critical thinking of uh, or just acknowledging of like, hey, I can agree with Andrew Cuomo on something and still find him to be a terrible governor. I can agree with Donald Trump on something and still find him to be a horrible human being. Like I, I don't need to be all in or all out on any one of these people. And I think that's sort of the danger of political parties, especially when there's only two that have a legitimate shot at anything. Now of all of the fringe and ancillary political parties, I hate the libertarian party the least, but it's the same basic idea of, look, it's such dogma of if we start actually discussing things in depth, what you'll find is we all can agree. I shouldn't say all. Most of us can agree on identifying the problems that are here if we would just listen to each other. And most for the most part, we all want the same end game. We want the same result. 
It's just a fundamental disagreement on how to get there. So somebody that doesn't support a $15 minimum wage doesn't hate poor people. It's a concern about inflation and about employment and how it's going to concede more power away from people and over to government. That's not, that doesn't mean you don't care about poor people. And this, in the same time, of if somebody does support a $15 minimum wage, it doesn't mean they're idiots. It means that that's a priority for them, and they're looking at it from that perspective and saying it should help. It's both a theory. But there's got to be some common ground, and I think the more that we shelter ourselves and identify only with political parties, the worse this gets for everybody. So yeah. we either need way more parties or none. That's, I guess that's where I'm at now. An overlap between the parties. Let's get eight of them and have them work together where it makes sense. Yeah, and that's, honestly, that's how most other countries operate with multiple, there's more, way more than two parties. And I've, you know, I, I don't know what the right answer is either. Um, my contention has been for a while is that if you had multiple parties, you would, the parties would be there, but you would have to build coalitions with the parties because you couldn't have a majority without a coalition. Right. Um, which I think would foster discussion about policies, which I think would be good as opposed to just they're bad, we're good. And or vice versa. So and everything boiled down to talking points at right. all so, points. I that's actually a really good point of of having to build a coalition across parties. I think it makes sense because and the other thing I think almost not, I shouldn't say that the one thing that I will disagree with anybody on is we my stance being and I, I'm not really willing to budge on this. We have to curb the executive. We have got to stop letting governors and presidents just pass laws however they feel sit and going around the legislature to get whatever they want passed because that is unhealthy. I understand it's more efficient. I understand that it's faster. I'm not arguing any of that. It's got to stop. Yeah, well, our system wasn't designed Designed. to be fast and efficient, right? right? It was designed to be thorough. And, yeah, with these executive orders, there is – you know, there's no checks and balances whatsoever. Right. And Justin Amash, former congressman, uh, libertarian congressman who uh, no longer in office, has been calling Congress broken for 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 years, if not a decade here. And he basically says, you know, there's a there's a there's a power vacuum in, in Washington D.C. It's the whoever's uh, you know the, the speaker. Uh, there's very few people who have access to that. There's no amendments ever offered by congressional people that's which is what we send them to do there's no discussion of legislation on the floor ever anymore it's all done in backroom deals it's all done in closed doors and then we're just and it's written by people who have the vested interest to make it happen and we don't see any of it and they, they're just forced to vote on it because of party uh, party party lines so it's it's not a uh any kind of productive means of legislation it's basically what we had in new york for a decade three men in a room deciding what was happening and then you know, just forcing it on the rest of us. Power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Great men, therefore, are typically bad men. And you're seeing this play out on every level of our government right now. If they have too much power, the Republican Party and the Democrat Party have too much power because they can coerce any candidate into having to do whatever they want or else you lose your funding. And listen, it happens both sides of the aisle of if you're going to stand up and fight, then we're going to primary you and we're going to throw all our money behind somebody who will play ball for our team. Yeah, you get stripped of, of committee assignments and they primary you if you don't play ball. So Right, it's, and it's a wholly corrupt system and it's not going to stop until we, as every average everyday people, stop supporting the party. Stop. It's craziness. That we still do this. It's absolutely unfounded in any sort of self-interest or long-term benefit for the country as a whole. It is going to lead to destruction and chaos if we continue to do this. And the reality is, I think we might be too far gone at this point because nobody has the will 
to really look at their own party and say, you know what? You're just as bad. It's two sides of the same coin that play the same dirty games that rig the same game to keep everybody else out, consolidate power for themselves at the top, and then just play little game of uh, back and forth like tennis with, okay, you get the presidency this time. Okay, you get it this time. Okay, yeah. we'll take over here. Okay, now this. It, it's crazy. It's, re- it's wrestling. Yeah. It's professional wrestling. It's professional wrestling. And we we got rid of P.T. Barnum, finally. Um. But it's, and this has been the point that you and I have been, I think, fairly consistent on over the last, well, we've only been doing the show for a year, but even our private conversations over the last three or four years, it's it's not that Trump was good. It was the reaction to Trump was so overblown compared to like, guys, this is not the most corrupt politician we have ever seen. This is like run-of-the-mill stuff. I And, and the one saving grace that I did genuinely like about Donald Trump is, is he didn't do a lot by executive action after undoing some of the ones when he first got in. After that, he didn't take over all the powers when COVID hit and, and take the War Powers Act and just run the country as a dictator. I like that. He didn't use executive orders to do the tax uh, tax reform. Like, I, I want presidents who don't do this. I want presidents that actually follow the rules. And, yeah, I get the legislature is going to fight and they're going to gridlock. Fine. That still doesn't mean you go around them. That means that now you have to run a new type of campaign to get people in. Have a more convincing idea. Right. And now the ideas can win instead of a popularity contest between, you know, 20 million people that live in New York and and then 4 million that live in Idaho. They couldn't have less in common, but we're supposed to just let one person decide what's best for everybody. It's crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. All right. I think that does it for us today. Um, I do want to remind everybody, so in the next couple of weeks, I'll be reaching back out to Ben Davidson. Uh, he was a guest on, uh, I can't remember what show, uh, back uh, 13, 12, something like that, early on. Um, uh, he is coming out with a new book right here, The uh, the Next End of the World, The Rebirth of Catastrophism. And uh, I'm going to give, I got two books, if you didn't see, I'm going to read one and give one away. So, uh during when he comes on the show, we'll probably have more details about that, but be be ready for that. Um, really good children's book. Trying to get your kids to sleep at night. I would start with that. Obviously, I would, I'm kidding. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. Truth is truth, I guess. Uh, yeah, the truth is truth, but that doesn't mean I'm reading it to my seven year old. All right. All right. So buddy, let's talk about it. Oh wait, hang on. I got a sports update for you. I got a sports update. Breaking news: J.J. Watt is now an Arizona Cardinal. No. Oh. oh, their defense is sick. Their defense was good last year. Interesting. All right. Well, on that breaking news, uh, Mr. Hughesong, would you like to leave the folks with any enlightening uh, words of wisdom um, for next week? Yeah. Just be less certain about everything. Be more up to the prospect that you're wrong. That's it. Love it. All right. Well, on that note, ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you next Monday. Thank you for tuning in. Be sure to share our podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe. Leave us a review. Uh, Help us out. And uh, you can go to our uh, page here. You can see it scrolling across the bottom of the screen here. If you're really into supporting the show, we have uh, have the ability to do that. You can make one-time investment into the show or recurring investment, uh, $0.99 to $5 or whatever you think we're worth. Uh, You can check that out as well. So on that note, I thank you all for tuning in, and we will see you all next Monday.